0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Today I want to talk about potential versus reality. And when I told Seth what my title was, he's like, I hate potential. You ever hear the word potential and you're like, that's like the worst word ever. Um. Like I told you the first time I got up here, my geometry teacher told, me, told my mom that I was the smartest kid she had. I just didn't apply myself. That is the definition of a pot- potential is where you could be, but you're not. You know what I'm talking about? So as I was thinking about potential, I was, I was immediately thinking about what's happening tonight. What's happening tonight? Does anybody remember? I don't know. Something's going on tonight, and uh, what is it, huh? It's a Super Bowl. It is a Super Bowl tonight. Um, I really don't care because I don't care about either team that's playing. I think it's all rigged because there's no way both hardballs would be in the Super Bowl if it wasn't rigged. So anyway, um, and Ray Lewis's last game, all that just seems like it adds up to somebody. There's a conspiracy. I believe there's conspiracies everywhere. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> yes. Anyway, so. Um, So I was thinking about the NFL, and immediately, I'm a Panthers fan, so immediately when I thought about potential, you know what I thought about? And all Panther fans will agree with me. Every year in April, there's this draft, and we draft like the best player ever. You know, like he's got all the potential in the world, and he turns out to be awful. Like, let me give you a perfect example. Our first round picks are usually okay, but it's stuff like in a second round, trading everything, or third round, trading everything we got to get Armani Edwards, You know what I mean? Like two, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. That's fine. So I knew that would happen. Like I care a lot about the Panthers. I knew y'all wouldn't care at all. So here's what I decided to do. I decided to change, even though it's the NFL day, I wanted to change and talk about something that you would relate with. Um, So there was a time when, does everybody know where TIE Spice is? I went in there the other day. Does everybody know where it's at? Okay, it's over there now, Marlon. It's like at a little Y intersection kind of thing. And when I was a kid, that used to be a convenience store. Does anybody remember a convenience store that used to be there? Okay. Is my mom in here? She's not in here yet. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so it used to be a convenience store. And, and when you're a kid, you have no clue what being tight financially is. You know what I'm talking about? Like, my parents were tight financially, and I didn't even know what that meant. I thought we, were like, had millions of dollars in the bank. I didn't know. And so... Actually, I don't even know there were millions of dollars back then. But anyway, so we went to this convenience store. My mom gets like $5 gas. That's back when that would have filled your car up. So she gets $5 gas and with a $20 bill. She gives me a $20 bill, and she goes, Rob, go in and pay for the gas, and you pick you up something. Well, immediately, the mind of a little boy began to think of potential of what I could buy with $15, you know. And so I go in there. There's my mom. Are you you in here? She's over there. And so I go to the convenience store, and, I'm, and I go to the cash register, and so, listen, I'm not very smart, never have been. So I went to the lady, and I said, here's the money for the gas, how many baseball cards can I buy with the change? And so, like, she, and like I didn't even know what I was going to get, but she don't even know the whole story, what went through my head. So I go in there, and there's the baseball card sitting by the cash register, the kind that had the gum in it that when you bit it, it broke in five pieces, you know what I'm talking about? So it was sitting right there, and I'm thinking I'm getting a bunch of gum and I'm getting baseball cards, which is awesome. And so I give her the money and she goes, well, hold on, let me see. And she starts counting it up, right? And all I get is like a couple, like some coins in my hand to take back to my mom. And so, and I got this big bag of like baseball cards. And so I go back out and I fulfill like the full potential of the money, right? So for like a couple pennies. And so I take it back out and get in the car and my mom goes, "Where's my change?" And I say, "Here it is," <laughs> you know. And so, um, my mom was gracious; didn't even say anything to me at all. No, she did. She was like, "You spent all the money I had for like all week," and I was like, "You know, felt really small." And I'm like, "I'll take it back in." And she's like, "No, you wanted them; you get to keep them." All right. And so I went and I put them in my top drawer. It was about two years ago. A little boy named Addison was collecting baseball cards, and I had kept these things for, like, forever, and I decided I was going to give them to Addison, and come to find out, then I could have kicked myself, but come to find out, there was a Pete Rose card in there worth $15, which is pretty amazing, because why? I spent $15 on baseball cards, and I could have got the money back and gave it to my mom and paid her back, but I didn't. I gave it to somebody. So, but the, the point is that I had, like, this certain amount of money and I fulfilled the po- full potential to get all the baseball cars I could. It probably wasn't a wise investment, but I did, and I got bunches of gum that nobody can eat. All right? So when I was thinking about potential in reality, there's two things that have to be true for everybody in this room: have to be. There's no like gray area in this. Either you're here or you're there. And so when I was thinking about potential reality, there's two, two places you have to be. Either one, you're not fulfilling the full potential that God has for you. That's one area. And two, you're fulfilling everything that God's asked you to do, and your potential is full, like you're who you're supposed to be. There's nothing left. Like, you are where God wants you to be in your life. So those are two options you have. And so this morning what I wanted to do, man, I just wanted to look at two men in Scriptures, two men in the Scripture that are mighty men who who one fulfilled his potential and one did not. And when you get done, here's what's going to happen, is you're going to look at one of them and say, man, I I wouldn't have thought he would have missed out on the full potential that he had. And the other one you're going to say, I I mean, I know he was great, but I never thought of him being as great as the other one. But in the end, he ended up where God wanted him. And he ended up where he was supposed to be. And so here's what I want to do. Before we get into Scripture, I want to pray and ask God to open the eyes of our hearts and speak through um, and so we can, we can see what he has to say to us. Lord, I thank you for this day, God. And I thank you for the ability to get up and proclaim your word. Lord, I pray that in this room that you will open the eyes of our hearts, God, to, the, to what you have in store for us and what we can be. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand what the potential is in each one of our lives, God. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to fulfill it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as I, was, um, as I was thinking, here's what I honestly believe, is that most Christians live on the cusp, on, right on the outside, looking into what their potential could be. Like even myself, like I can sit there and I can go, I know there's a little bit more. I know that there could be a little bit more, but I get satisfied and I get in a situation where um, I cause myself to stay where I'm at and stagnant. And so what we're going to look at is look directly in the scripture, we're going to find out exactly why you don't fulfill your potential. And so if you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 34, um, we're going to look at a person, and, and when you immediately get there, you'll see a little subtitle. It says the death of Moses, um, and we're going to look at Moses first. And so as we begin to look at Moses, we automatically know some things about Moses because we've seen it on TV, right? Like the Ten Commandments and the Prince of Egypt, right? So TV's like our teacher today. So Moses did like these amazing things. Let me tell you first about Moses. Moses was an unbelievable man. He was, to my knowledge, the only person that we know of that got to talk to God through a bush that was on fire that didn't burn up, which is pretty amazing. Um, He also, God used him to do these miraculous signs and miracles in Egypt to free the the people, the Israelites, from captivity from a tyrant and Pharaoh. He also got to see his pillar of fire. He also got to see, like, the Red Sea part and him walk across on dry land. And so, like, God's, like, done all these miracles up to that point in his life. And then he literally gets to walk up onto a mountain and speak to God face to face and get these tablets to have, like, these Ten Commandments on that. God literally wrote with his finger, And then he was an idiot, he broke them, and then he went back and got to do it again. Then, after that, he was walking in the wilderness and, like, food literally fell out of the sky. And he got water from a rock, right? So this man was pretty awesome. I've done some not-so-awesome things in my life. You know, I haven't done anything close to what he's done. And so at the end of his life, here... We're going to find out exactly what happens with Moses and who he is. And so, here in 34, verse 1, and I just want you to understand exactly what it says here in verse 1. We're not going to read very far. It says, then Moses climbed on the mount. And so, what we understand about the mount is that it has, it gives you a certain vantage point. It gives you ability to look across a certain area. When you talk to I got the privilege to, to be with Ray Simpson toward the end of his life, which is my, my wife's grandfather. And what he could do is he could look back across his life and see things that he wished he would have done and see things that he did that he was proud of. And so Moses gets to this, this pinnacle place in his life, the time where he's looking back across his, the time he was here. And he begins to see a bunch of land. And if you look at Scripture, you can see all the land that he looks at. Then In verse 4. And here's where, like, God floored me. Here's where God, like, takes Moses and knocks him down. Verse 4 Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then here's his gut shot. He goes, I'm going to give it to your descendants. What happens is, is you have Moses in his life, walked around in the wilderness, trying to lead the people of God to the promised land. And then at the very end of his life, God takes him up on the mountain and says, you see that out there? That's what you could have had. But I'm going to give it to your descendants instead. And so, man, I was thinking, I was like, man, God, Moses was his great man of God, why in the world, why in the world would he not be able to go into the promised land? And so as I was looking, as I was looking at it, we're going to get into that in just a second. But here's what I want Here's what I want to show you. As you keep reading on it says, the promised land, I'm going to give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Then you begin to think, man, that's almost cruel, isn't it? Like, God allows him to see where he could have been. But there's a reason why he did that. I, I firmly believe there's a reason why God showed him where he could have been. It's because of the reason why Moses got to the place where he was at, where he didn't get to go into the promised land. Moses started a corruption that happened... Forty years before walking in the wilderness. You know, you talk to pastors and Bible scholars, they'll, they'll point to a certain event, but I believe it started that day. He sent the 12 spies in the, the promised land. He sent these guys to go in and they're going to scope it out and see who all's there and see what's going on. And they come back and they're going to give a report about what they saw when they got there. And this old Bible story says that two of them came back and said, man, God said it's ours, and we're going to go in. And and it's amazing, and there's land flowing with milk and honey, and there's grapes bigger than my head. You know, all that stuff? And then there were these 10 guys that are constantly in our lives that say, there's giants over there, and there's no way you're going to defeat them. They will squash us like bugs. And no, no. I don't care what God said, what I see is bigger than him. That's exactly what they came back and did. And here's what's really crazy is on that day, Moses began to take a shift in mentality. That day, he listened more to what men had to say than what God had to say. And so, like, that's bad. Like, that day's bad. Like, he walks around in the wilderness for 40 years after that because of that decision. And then there's a day when the people are complaining again because they're thirsty. Man, these people, food's falling out of the sky, and they're complaining about, like, it's bland, and it doesn't taste very good. I mean, these are the type of people he's dealing with. Must have been Baptist. Anyway, so, he, um, <laughs> sorry, I was a, I've been a Baptist for a long time. It's okay. So then... <laughs> Then they're like talking about they don't have any water. And this is very important that you understand what happens here. This is where you look in Scripture and it says that he wasn't going to be able to go into promised land because of this. But listen, it started back with the 12 that went in. He comes and he's got this rock here. And and he's going to make water come out of the rock. And God says... Speak to the rock and the water will come out. So God tells him what to do. I mean, that's pretty amazing. You talk to a rock and water's gonna flow out of it. Moses then relies on his own ability and his own power and his own mindset and strikes the rock. And God's still faithful when water comes out. But because he relied on his own strength and his own power, God said, You know what? That's it. You're more concerned with how you look and what other people think and what they want instead of what I want you to do. And so at this pinnacle in his life, God says, you know what, Moses? At some point in your life, you took supreme authority of your life and your decision-making, and now look, because you did that, that's what you missed. You see it? And so literally Moses is buried in the area to where... He overlooks the possibility of what he could have had. Man, Moses was such a great man that it even says, it's not even on the board, but it even says that the people grieved for 30 days when he died. Here's a lie that I want you to understand that is constantly given to you. Is that if God is using you in a mighty way, he's working in your life, that you're living in the full potential that Christ has for you. There's a constant lie that says that if God's active in your life, that you are everything you need to be in Christ and that everything's okay. Moses was a mighty man of God and he still missed promises that God had for him. Then in verse 9, in verse 9 it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Man, that's so good. It doesn't say like he was filled with the spirit of, like, compassion or worship, or, but wisdom. Was filled with the spirit of wisdom. Because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him. And did what the Lord commanded Moses. So we look across at Moses' life and we see the end result of what he could have had and he didn't. But here's what's so amazing about God's faithfulness in our lives is that his promises still came true. And we're going to find out in just a second. And number two, look at verse 10. It's not even on the board, but here's what it says it says that there has never been a prophet since. They got to speak to God face-to-face like Moses. And before I look into the, to Joshua, here's what I want to tell you. Is that if somebody that can talk to God face-to-face and be as close to God as that can miss out on what God has in store for them, I just want us to be very careful to not be so prideful to think that we couldn't also. But then I want to look at Joshua. So. Why did Moses not enter the promised land? Why did he not get into the full potential that God had for him? It was because he relied on himself and the wisdom of men over God. Then you look at Joshua in his life. Joshua takes over as a leader of Israel, runs through a gamut of battles, losing one, not because of him, but because of, there was sin in the camp that he didn't know about. The rest of this gamut of battles and, and wipes the floor basically with everybody. But there's one common theme that goes throughout the whole life of Joshua. And that is regardless what God asked him to do, he did it no matter how dumb it sounded. From the beginning of crossing the Jordan, where it's at flood stages to where they just put the priest in the water before the flood stopped, before the water stopped, and the water stopped upstream and all that stuff, to Jericho, I mean you got this army, and all you do is walk around and blow trumpets. That doesn't sound very smart to me, but God said it, so he did it. And then you go to the very same scene at the end of his life to where you have Joshua at the same place that Moses was at when he was on the mountaintop, and here's Joshua at the very end of his life, and he knows it. The very different scenario that is taking place. In chapter 23 of Joshua, which is just the next book over, it's in chronological order. Here's Joshua took over from Moses, led the people into the promised land, was one of the spies that said, let's go in and take the promised land with storm because God said it was ours. He was one of those. And here he is in chapter 23. And this is his address to all the people all the leaders, all the officials. Chapter 23. After a long time had passed, the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them. There Joshua was like not, not wandering around in the desert, He wasn't fighting with anybody, living in peace and harmony, like there's nothing going on in his reign. It says Joshua by then was very advanced in years, and he summoned all Israel to him. And you remember, Moses laid his hands on Joshua, and Joshua received wisdom, spirit filled him with wisdom. At the end of his life, what he wanted to do was pass on the success that you could have in Christ and the way you could could live in the the ability to live in the full potential that God has for you in your own personal life. And so he summoned all the leaders to himself, and the one resounding theme throughout the whole meeting that they had was this. If you look down farther in that scripture, in verse 6, here's what it says. He's gathered all the officials to himself and, and he's talking to them. Here's what he says Be very strong. That means don't move your ground, don't lose footing, stay strong, don't lose ground. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning to the right or the left. Do not associate with the nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But here it is in verse 8. but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The main difference between these two mighty men of God Man, if you took them personally and looked at them side by side and not looked at their accomplishments, I bet Moses would have been that guy you went, man, that's him right there. That's the one who God fully used, and, and he was the one who f- he ended up where God wanted him. But when you look at their life cycle, and even all the great things that God did through Moses, ended up just short of where he could have been. But then you have Joshua when the rubber would meet the road and it was up to him to decide exactly where his loyalty was going to lie. Regardless what men said, regardless what he told himself, he stood on what God said to do over everybody else. So this morning, here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you a simple question. Some of you are going through hard situations and life's not easy and things are going on. And Who are you turning to? Who are you trusting in? Who are you listening to? I mean, or do you just have that feeling that you're on the cusp of something great and you can't figure out exactly what it is? Well, the problem is, is that I may not know exactly what you need, but God does. Some of you are sitting in here and you're like thinking, man, I would love to be a part of a promised land. And, and you're talking about this God to have a relationship with people. I mean, what are you talking about? Well, here's what I can tell you is that you're missing out on the potential of who you could be in Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you and he died for you, for all the things that you've done wrong your entire life. To give you an opportunity to live in an understanding of who he is and for somebody to love you and care for you and make you clean and holy and pure. That's waiting for you today too, if that's you. Now, there's some of you who are in here. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're living and you know you're exactly where God needs you to be, and you know you're living in the fullest potential that you have, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is really kind of different, but I want you to do this just for me. You can do it with your eyes open. This is really crazy. I don't get out on them but I want you to pray right now for the people in this room that aren't there because there are people here that aren't. Pray for courage and strength right now. I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. talk to the Christians in here first who are in life and you feel like you're just missing what God has for you, like you're like on the outside looking in, you feel like that you're just in an area that, that you, that God could use you more and you know it, and you've been listening to the wrong voices and you've been doing the wrong things and you know you have. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy, raise your hand or anything. Here's what I want you to do. You know it. And if you mean business, I want you to deal with it right now. Talk to God and tell him what you've been doing. Tell Jesus and and make a decision today to turn. And live a life to the full potential that you could have in Christ. Maybe you're in here and, and you've never experienced Jesus in a personal relationship, and you never, you struggled so much with your self-worth as far as who you are and what you were created to do and that kind of thing. And you're in here, and you're, and this morning, God has revealed himself to you that you don't know him and that you need to. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand. This is your day that God's opened your eyes. Lord, I thank you so much for this day, God, and I thank you for what you're doing and who you are. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room, God, that you you have spoke to their heart, God, and you've given them courage to move forward with you, Father, to, to live a life that's, that's obeying you only, that's full of potential, that gives them an opportunity, God, to live in the promised land that you have for them. Lord, I thank you for calling me, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be your servant. In Jesus' name I pray.